So we are going through Psalms. It's been uh, just, I'm loving it. I'm loving taking the time to dive into a book of the Bible that frequently we don't spend a lot of time in. And I'm hearing that from you guys, and those conversations are a lot of fun. So just a real quick recap. Um, Oop, I clicked in the wrong direction. There we go. There's the right forward arrow. Uh, So real quick, in case you've missed it, the Psalms help me know God's infinite love. Six basic categories of the Psalms so that as we seek to study this book and understand the Bible, we can operate within this framework. We've looked at hymns. Let's praise God because, fill in the blank, praise God. If you see that, it's a Psalm of hymn. Messianic Psalms, prophetic information about Jesus, about his life, his impact, things like that. Today, we're going to look at Psalms of Knowledge. Next week, we're going to look at Gratitude, essential reminders about that. Everybody knows I'm supposed to be grateful. Okay, well, what are you physically doing to practice gratitude? Wait, what? Yeah, we're going to look at it next week. Imprecatory, we're going to learn a new word together. It'll be fun. It'll be a good time. Lament, learning how to properly and appropriately express grief, which I think is relevant in our lives at many different times and in places. Uh, But today we're looking at Psalms of Knowledge. So before we dive in, please would you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the fact that you never change, that you are, like we looked at last week, you are tested, you are sure. So God, may you be precious in our lives. We know that Jesus is precious. May our lives reflect that. As we continue to worship through opening your word and and learning from it, submitting to it, yielding to it, God, you describe your word as a sword. So we ask that you would use it to pierce us to make us more like Jesus, to conform us to who he is. God, give us a zeal, a burning passion for Christ and for your mission and your kingdom. We trust you with these things. May you increase, may we decrease. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so let's just give the foundation, like we've done every week, let's give the foundation of knowledge psalms. You might also see these as psalms of wisdom or wisdom psalms, but these are the psalms that provide instruction for Christian life. Uh, You know, I've said this before, I will keep saying it because I firmly believe it, and I think if we're missing this detail, it's really going to affect us in a lot of ways. Conversion is not the finish line. Becoming a Christian is not the finish line. That's the starting gate. Conversion, salvation, that's where the race begins, not where it finishes. Sanctification, God's will for our lives, the work he does to make us like Christ, that's the race. And part of that is learning and growing in that. How many, what's a car? What's a car? A vehicle, right? A kid comes up to you and says, what's a car? Oh, it's a vehicle. Cool, what's a vehicle? Uh, well, it's kind of like a box you sit in and it takes you from one place to another, but just magically? Well, no, it requires gasoline. Well, it's gasoline. Well, it's a fuel, right? Like, we learn stuff constantly. We have to learn stuff constantly. And we accept this in every part of our lives 
So why would we not also realize that part of being a Christian is going to be knowledge and growing in knowledge and desiring and pursuing that growth of knowledge? So when you're looking at, okay, how do I identify a wisdom psalm, a knowledge psalm? Look for a general characteristic, simple structure, A or B. You're going to do this or you're going to do that. Which, which one are you going to choose? And what I really love about the knowledge psalms is that it makes it clear that we have a responsibility. It's not just like, hey, your only option is wisdom. Your only option is this. It's like, which are you going to choose? Take personal responsibility for your life. Take accountability for your decisions. Common themes to look for then, subsequently a contrast of righteousness and wickedness. Look for these phrases, fear of the Lord. Look for the phrase better than, right? If you're talking about A or B, look for blank is better than blank. It is better to do this than to do that, that contrasting idea. Look for my child or my son, frequently followed by listen to, take heed to, pay attention to my words, pay attention to my lessons. But if you see my child or my son, probably a knowledge psalm. Look for, blessed is the one who, fill in the blank. Blessed is the one who applies this to their life. Here are the results of that. You've got Psalm 1, Psalm 14 and 15 when read in tandem are a great example of knowledge psalms where you're looking at that contrast between wickedness and righteousness. Psalm 19, Psalm 37, Psalm 73, Psalm 91, 112, 119, 128. These are some of the most obvious knowledge psalms. So if you're unfamiliar with this category of psalms and you want to learn more about them, start with those psalms. That's a great place to begin as you're considering this, this topic, this category. And you'll notice as you read through the Psalms, as, as different ones stick out to you, hey, I see that phrase, you know, better is this than that, blessed is the one who this than that. You'll notice a recurring theme, an underlying lesson in all of the knowledge Psalms. And it's the idea that we are called to and we must have a long-term mindset rather than short-term obsession fixation. If I'm just fixated on the short-term I'm missing that eternal perspective. And there are going to be drastic consequences to a hyperfixation on the short term without having that long-term mindset. You see a great example of this in Psalm 73, a knowledge psalm. In verse 2 and 3, the psalmist writes, As for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Anybody ever think... Don't raise your hands. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'll raise my hand because I've thought this. Anybody ever looked at the sinful fallen world around us and you look at a sinful fallen person and you see them prosper and they're the ones who get promotions. They're the ones who go on the nice trips. They're the ones who everything seems to work out for and you've had that thought. That's not fair. What, I'm living for God. I'm doing the right thing. The reason they got promoted and I didn't was because they stabbed everyone in the back. I tried to treat my coworkers like Christ would and I said, that's not fair. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and say I'm not the only one who could raise their hand there. The psalmist writes, I almost fell into that trap. I almost fixated on the short term. I almost looked at just the immediate and nothing else. I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. 
But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. If you look at the Psalms of Knowledge, the Wisdom Psalms, you'll see that idea of the eternal perspective, the long-term mindset, looking ahead keeps the psalmist grounded in wise behavior, keeps the psalmist grounded in a proper perspective. And it's when the psalmist starts to lose that perspective that he says, I almost fell into the trap. I almost slipped. And so that's an underlying theme, an underlying lesson that you'll see. So keep that in mind even as we progress in this message and look at some of the psalms of knowledge. And the reason we're spending time looking at this is because knowledge is an inescapable, essential part of the Christian life. Colossians 1, 9 to 10, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. You see both knowledge of God and knowledge of his will. You see the effects of it, bearing fruit in every good work, walking in this way. Knowledge is inescapable from the Christian life. Or it's it's, uh, inescapable in, not from. Inescapable in the Christian life. This should be a part of our life. And that word in there is very deliberate because every word in Scripture is deliberate, increasing in knowledge. Violet's growing up. One day soon, she'll enter the education system, and I'll sit down with teachers, or I'll look at curriculums, or, you know, whatever. But at some point, it'll be, hey, this year, she's going to learn her multiplication tables. That's great. Good. She's growing, right? What, what What grade do you learn multiplication tables in? Third, third grade. Okay. So third grade, I'm talking to a third grade teacher. This year I'm going to teach Violet multiplication. Super. Love it. Parents, you're glad for that. You sit down with your kid's seventh grade teacher. Start of the school year. Hey, this year I'm going to teach your kid the multiplication tables. Really going to work on the two times and the three times multiple. Wait, what? Twelfth grade, senior year. What are you doing in math this year? We're going to work on your kid's multiplication tables. Anybody going to stand up and be like, uh, shouldn't have this been covered? Right? Like, shouldn't, shouldn't we be building on this? Really? We're, we're going back to this? Like, shouldn't they know this? Shouldn't there be some sort of progression? Yeah, of course. Okay. Christian, how's your knowledge progressed? How have you grown and increased in knowledge over the years of your faith? Well, is that, I mean, we know Sam's a nerd. Is this just his opinion? Let's see what the Bible says. Hebrews 5, starting in Hebrews 5.11, this section is about apostasy. Apostasy is a big fancy word for false teaching. Straying from the truth. And the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 5.11, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. 
but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not again laying a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instructions about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. That's a passage that makes it pretty clear there should be growth and progression in our knowledge. He lays out salvation, repentance, the washings. He's talking about baptism. Eternal judgment. He's like, look, this this is the elementary stuff. You should be beyond this, not beyond appreciating it, not beyond cherishing it, not beyond loving it, not beyond being encouraged by it. Every day we should be encouraged by repentance and salvation and grace and forgiveness. But if you've been a Christian for 20, 30, 40 years, 10 years, is there growth in your knowledge? Is there growth in your knowledge and depth of understanding of our faith? And no, it's not to build ourselves up and make ourselves feel better about ourselves. I know more fancy words than you do. No, what's he say? He says, you should be teachers. You yourself should be teachers. See, the point of this, the point of Christian knowledge, the point of knowledge of our faith is to impact, to impact the world, to impact others, to teach what we know ourselves to take our knowledge of God, our knowledge of His will, our knowledge of His plan, our knowledge of His calling on sanctification, and to impact, to teach, to equip, to multiply, to disciple. That's why we hired you. That's why we have elders. That's your responsibility. Yeah, part of our calling, no doubt. Unequivocally part of my calling. I believe it's part of my gifting. It's part of my passion. I love it. Two pages of outlines for me. There's a little bit behind the scenes, right? Special features on the DVD. Two pages of outline give me 35 to 40 minutes for a message, okay? Two pages, 40 minutes. On Wednesday, my outline for Psalms of Knowledge was five and a half pages and I wasn't done. Hands up if every week you want to show up for a three-hour sermon. My wife, yes, thank you. That's all right. She gets three-hour sermons at home. (laughs) Guys, I mean, if you're relying on me and the elders for all your teaching, that's not nearly going to be enough. I'm not at your workplace. When your coworker has a question, you can't snap your fingers and teleport me there. When you're on a family vacation and your nephew, who's going through a huge life crisis, opens up at the beach house, I'm not there. So if you're relying on your leadership for the extent of your teaching and understanding, you're starving yourself. Plain and simple. Is everybody called to be a teacher? No. But why would I, as a believer in Christ, someone who wants to look like him, not want to grow in knowledge to the point where I can impact the world around me? by being able to teach them. Ephesians 4, 11, he gave to the church the leadership to do what? To equip the body to do the work of the church, 
to do the mission of the church. So if the mission of the church is to evangelize, if the mission of the church is to disciple, if the mission of the church is to advance God's kingdom, that's all of our mission collectively. So Hebrews says, look, by this time you should be a teacher. You shouldn't need milk. You should be eating solid food. You should be beyond the elementary doctrines. Now, I'm not saying everybody. We used a school example earlier. Let's go back to school. Anybody know a school in this area that doesn't have a kindergarten? Doesn't have a fourth grade? No. Why? Because there are always people at every stage. So we need to always be aware of this. We need to always be working with every stage, but we should be able to look at our lives as a believer and see, I am growing, I am increasing in the knowledge of God, in the knowledge of his will, and I am using it to impact those around me. It's unavoidable when you look at Scripture, when you look at what God has laid out. But we have to keep knowledge in proper perspective. Sam, I didn't like school. Stop talking. Like, you think this is winning me over? You're losing me. Okay, well, what's your hobby? What do you love? You love woodworking? I'm sure you knew how to use a miter saw at the age of two. Perfectly. You like working on cars? I bet at the age of four you could take apart an engine and put it back together with no help whatsoever. You like sewing? You like baking? You like painting? You like art? Whatever it is, I'm sure you have never once grown in your knowledge of what you're passionate about. You knew it all immediately. No, of course not. See, we're fine with growing in knowledge if the heart desire is there. So we have to keep knowledge in proper perspective. What did we look at last week with Messianic Psalms? Let's tie the two together. Messianic Psalms, everything must be about Jesus. Guess what? That includes knowledge. Colossians 1, 9 to 10. So from the day we heard... Oh, nope, that was a passage I just read. We're still in Colossians. <laughs> See? Nobody's perfect. Colossians 2, 1 to 3. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So the pursuit of knowledge is driven by a desire for Christ. It's driven by a passion for knowing our Lord, for being like him, for being with him, for sitting at his feet and learning from him. Knowledge is all about zeal for Jesus. Don't get discouraged. Don't get intimidated, my friends, please. School was hard for me. I've got learning disabilities. I've got this holding me back. Like, I know, I know there are obstacles. I know. Don't get discouraged. Because it's not about you and I. What did Jesus say? John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but ever, whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. 
before you raise the objection to why seeking knowledge, growing in knowledge, growing in this, before you raise that objection, let me remind you, you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit and his capability as a teacher far exceeds our inability as students. Come on. The Holy Spirit is your teacher, your one-on-one -on -one teacher. Ephesians 3, 20-21, one of my favorite passages. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power at work within us, to him be the glory. You can't imagine being a teacher. Hebrews talked about you should be a teacher at this point. You can't imagine being a teacher? Guess what? God's imagination dwarfs yours, and he can do immeasurably more than that. You can't imagine sitting down and enjoying studying Ezekiel. You can't imagine understanding Revelation. God dwarfs your imagination. And the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, is capable far beyond what we can describe in leading us in a pursuit and growth of this. And finally, as we keep knowledge in proper perspective, 1 Corinthians 8, no 1 Corinthians 8. Knowledge separate from love can be disastrous. If you divest, if you remove love from knowledge, that's a bad recipe. 1 Corinthians 8 lays it out. Knowledge apart from love is what leads to arrogance. Knowledge apart from love is what leads to scorn and condemnation and holier than thou. Knowledge apart from love leads to fractured relationship and is crippling for the believers. So we have to keep, I, don't get me wrong, I firmly believe that we should all, every single one of you here joining us online, you should be growing in knowledge of your faith, of theology, being growing in your ability to teach it, to disciple others, to impact the kingdom. But it needs to be driven by love. It needs to be driven by, fueled by, supported by, carried by a deep love for Christ and a deep love for his children. If you're talking to somebody who knows less than you, you're not better than them. You're a sinner in need of a Savior just like them. Praise God, he's given you knowledge that you can use to impact them. I'm not better than anyone. Because I preach, I'm better than the people of the church. No, are you kidding me? It's got to be about Jesus. It's got to be about a love for him and a love for his bride. And in that, I say, okay, I'm going to love what you love, and what you love are your people, your children. You love the lost. You want them to know you. I want to grow so that I can help in that, so that I can play my part in that. So we have to keep knowledge in proper perspective. And I know we're in a series on the Psalms, so let's look at what the Psalms say. We've talked about the theory of knowledge, the concept of knowledge. We've talked about the importance of knowledge. We've talked about what drives knowledge, what builds knowledge up. Well, let's look at two examples of what Psalms of knowledge, wisdom Psalms, actually lay out as knowledge. Psalm 1, the very first Psalm, is a beautiful Psalm of knowledge. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, 
but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Remember a couple weeks back, we looked at the base structure of Psalms, how they're driven by parallelism. One of the parallelisms that we looked at was antithetical, where you have two contrasting ideas. Did you catch that in Psalm 1? Blessed is not this person, but instead this person. You need both halves of the idea to make sense. Antithetic parallelism. See, we can recognize that. We can learn that. So let's look at what does this Psalm 1 lay out as knowledge? Knowledge is knowing the importance of God's word and structuring our lives, behaving as such. God's word is important. Amen. Okay, does your behavior back that up? Does your behavior really indicate that you believe God's word is important? That delighting it is good? I love my wife. I love our marriage. I want to do everything I can to invest in our marriage. Sweet. When was the last date you took her on? Oh, I don't, no, I don't do that. I'm too busy for that. Do you, do you help with the chores? No. You bring her flowers? No. Do you do anything nice for her? No. Invest time in her? No. Most important relationship in my life, hands down. I love God's word. So vital. I mean, it's, Sam, I could not agree more that, that he is so clear that I'm to know and treasure his word. Sweet, you carve out time for it? No, too busy. Do you think about it? No. At the end of the sermon, when we have tried to remove excuses, people said, we don't know what to read on our own. We don't know what to read outside of a sermon. So we give you a card every week that says, read this. Well, I don't know what to look for. Yeah, here's a question of what to, we have tried to eliminate the excuses that we hear. Do you take that card? Yeah. Do you use that card? No, I crumple it up in my car. If you look at my trunk, it's just a bunch of those little this week, let's all. <laughs> but God's word, super important. I mean, I'm, I am very passionate about growing in God's word. Does your life indicate that? Knowledge is knowing how important God's word is in living lives that reflect that. What's it say? It says a righteous person delights in God's instruction. We don't give you the this week let's all because we want to add one more thing to your task list. I know you're all busy. We don't say, hey, spend time in God's word because it's a chore. God's word is not wearisome. God's word is not a burden. Guys, it's a delight. It's a privilege. It's a joy. It is an honor to open scripture and to have the faculties able to read it. I can't read? Listen to it. It is, it is such a treasure to hold on to. Consider Psalm, 19, or Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Your soul feels weary and heavy? The law of the Lord revives it. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. I'm just a simple person. I want to be wise, but I can't. The testimony of God does that. 
The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. The righteous person, the knowledgeable person, delights in the word of God. That word for meditates, says meditates on it. This word means active pondering in pursuit of insight and understanding. The word in the original language actually carried the idea of talking to yourself out loud. Like as you're going about your day, you're you're, just, you're muttering to yourself. What are you muttering about? I'm trying to understand scripture. I'm chewing on it. I'm contemplating on it. Man, you look lost in thought. What are you thinking about? I'm, I'm lost thinking about scripture. Meditates on it. Day night. This is not some legalistic, if I send you a text at 3.20 this afternoon, what are you thinking about? Uh, I, I don't know what I had for lunch. Ah, false. You should be thinking about scripture. No. It's not a legalistic, you can't have any other thought outside of Scripture. This phrase, day and night, it was a linguistic feature that we also see in Joshua used to express the idea that our lives should be built on this. That both the minutia, the little small details, and the big grand things should be built on a desire to know and love God by knowing and living according to his word. So when it says, on his law, he meditates day and night, it means, do you approach life with the perspective of, I want my life to glorify God. So I want to know his will. One of the ways he gave me to know his will is his word. So I want to know it and live according to it. In the day-to-day, and how I treat the stranger at Kroger, and how I interact with my server at the restaurant, the little tiny stuff. In the big stuff, do I take this job? Do I move? Do we have another kid? Do I retire and instead work for this nonprofit? Like the big questions that have huge ramifications. The little stuff that we overlook and forget about. The idea of meditating on it day and night is my perspective is I want a life that glorifies God. So I want to make sure I'm doing everything I can to know his will and living according to it. Joshua 1 7 to 8. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Joshua 24, 15. If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day, and that language was indicating that it's an everyday conscious decision. Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You can't just say I know the importance of God's word. I can't just say that. My life should reflect that. That's knowledge. And what are the results of this? What are the consequences of this? What are the benefits of this? Verse 3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. 
vitality, life, strength, endurance. Jeremiah 17.8, talking about the righteous one who pursues God. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. What's super interesting about that passage? It says the tree is going to face scorching, withering heat. It says the tree is going to face year of drought. God never pretends like we're not going to face hardships or difficulties. But God says, when you delight in me, when you pursue knowing me, when you give yourself to going after me with everything you have, you're like a tree planted by the water that in the years of trial, in the tribulation, in the difficulty, in the drought, in the hardship, in the heat, you don't wither. You don't cease to bear fruit. Bear fruit. Who's a tree bear fruit for? Sure, trees benefit by their fruits, how seeds are spread and disseminated, how the forest grows. A tree bears fruit for others. You go to an apple orchard and you benefit from the fruit of that tree. We grow in this to teach others. We grow in this to disciple others. We grow in this to do the work of the church, the building up of the ministry, the advancing of God's kingdom. It once again all comes back to our long-term perspective versus short-term fixation. It comes back to a desire to be like Christ and to therefore know and love what he knows and loves and give ourselves to that same pursuit. This is what knowledge is. Knowledge is also knowing what to desire and pursue. Psalm 37. Beautiful psalm of knowledge. A beautiful wisdom psalm. There's a verse in Psalm 37 that gets very drastically abused. I thought about saving it for, we're, we're going to do our summer Bible study on the top six most mishandled verses in the Bible. I thought about saving Psalm 37 for, for, for the summer study. But it fits so perfectly here, so maybe we'll get it twice. <laughs> Psalm 37 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Sweet. I desire a jet. Let's go. Not what that verse means. Most definitely not some prosperity nonsense hogwash. Chuck it out the window. So Psalm 37.4, a psalm of knowledge, a psalm of wisdom, teaching me to know what to desire and pursue. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Okay, well then what should my heart desire? Well, the Psalms of wisdom tell us. That same Psalm, 37, 23 to 24 and 31. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast long, for the Lord upholds his hand. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. Another wisdom psalm, Psalm 112. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Jeremiah 29, 13. Just one thought after another of the most mishandled verses in the Bible that we are going to look at over the summer, so we're not going to talk about that one today. But Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when? When you seek me with all your heart. 
Matthew 6.33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All these things that he's talking about are peace. Freedom from worry. Freedom from fear. Strength to endure. Seek first God's kingdom. Seek first His righteousness. Seek Him with everything you have. What's His will for your life? 1 Thessalonians 4.3 This is God's will for you. Your sanctification. Your holiness. So what should the cry of my heart be? What should the longing of my heart be? What should be that thing that drives me every morning when I wake up? My holiness. My conformity to Christ. I'm not placing myself above Christ. This isn't like I'm better than Christ, I'm more important than Christ. It's when it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart. If the desire of my heart is intimacy with my Savior, that's what needs to drive me. If the desire of my heart is, Lord, I love you more than anything, I want to be used by you to advance your kingdom, then I will structure my behavior in such a way to pursue that desire. If I want to run a marathon, what do I do? I start training. I don't say I'm going to run a marathon next week, and then I just show up the day of and try and do it. No, you look up the apps that say, hey, here's what you need to do 100 days out from the marathon. Here's what you need to do 95 days out from the marathon. So if I say the desire of my heart is to pursue God, what am I doing to aid me in that pursuit? What am I doing to grow in my knowledge of the Lord and His will? This is what we are called to. This is what knowledge is. Knowledge is knowing what to desire and going after it. Knowledge is knowing the beauty of God's Word and delighting in it. Knowledge is knowing that He can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. So before we start to think of our objections to any of this, we remember that God is greater. We remember that Jesus died for me. And it's kind of a cliche saying, but it's cliche, I think, for a good reason. I didn't come up with this. Jesus died for me. The least I can do is live for him. Part of that is growing in my knowledge. Part of that is increasing beyond the elementary so that I can be more effective in advancing his kingdom. Why? I want to see him lifted up. What did John the Baptist say? He must increase, I must decrease. So I want to know his word. I want to know his mission. I want to know his heartbeat so that I can give myself to a pursuit of it, to an advancement of his kingdom. Knowledge plays a huge part in this. It's our privilege. It's our joy to go after it together. So let's be a church that does. This week, I don't know what to read. Psalm 119 and Proverbs 2. Two chapters. Psalm 119 is long. That's why there's only two. We can do it. Great chapters. Great, great chapters. As we pray, apply the Acts model. How do these passages lead me to adore God, to praise God? How do they lead me to confess to God, to thank God, to make requests of God? As I am seeking to grow in my knowledge of you, Lord, and your will, help me in this. And as we reflect 
What obstacles? Seriously, seriously, like, seriously, if you have to write it down, if you want to send me a text, an email, cool, do it. What obstacles hold you back from pursuing greater knowledge? Pursuing a better understanding of theology, a better understanding of what the Bible says, a better understanding of how to teach it. You have a coworker who you want to witness to, but you don't know how to answer some of their questions? Great, write it down. What obstacles hold you back, hold me back, hold us back from pursuing being people of growing, increasing knowledge? Is there anything we can do to help with those? Is there something you need to do? Do you need to take a look in the mirror and say, yeah, I really just don't want to carve out time for God's word. I'm actually a great student. I'm just not that passionate about scripture. Do you know how much better off you're in a place if you can admit that versus like, oh, I don't have anything to work on? You think God won't honor? If you go before the Lord in prayer and you say, Lord, I love you. You are my savior. You are my king. I want a passion for your word, but I don't have it. Would you give me up, buddy? Do you mind if I tell this? Joe Curry, four years ago, five years ago, I don't know when it was, he and I were talking and he was like, dude, I like, I, I like God's word, but I don't crave it. And I love that he was honest. And so I told him, I said, Joe, pray. I said, just every day, Lord, give me a craving for your word. Give me a zeal for your word. I got a text from him in like two weeks and he was like, thanks a lot, man. I said, what? And he's like, I haven't watched any of my shows or movies or anything. He's like, all I want to do is read God's word ever since I started praying that prayer. And I was like, eh, you think God won't honor that? So maybe that's where we need to begin. Maybe it's I don't have access to resources. Could you help me out? You guys know me. You know, I said I'm a nerd. I love this stuff. I mean, I, I love this stuff. You think if you send me a text, hey, Sam, what are a list of some resources I could use? I'm going to be like, nope, not answering that. So what are our obstacles? How do we knock them down together? Let's be people of knowledge. Let's be a church of knowledge, increasing in it and wielding it to advance God's kingdom in love for our Savior. Please join me in prayer. Father, you are good. You are so good in giving us your word, and we are so grateful for it. Lord, I, I pray a simple prayer for this body, a simple prayer for this church. Make us people who crave knowing you. Make us, make the leadership here, people who set an example of a zeal for your word, for knowing you and making you known. Make our kids wing, our men's ministry, our women's ministry, our senior ministry, our praise team, make this church a church that delights in your word, that meditates on it day and night. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Hey everyone, Pastor Sam here. Thanks for joining us for a Sunday sermon. If you're interested in more of the sermons from this series or some of our past sermon series that we've done, you can find them at discovercommunity.org under the sermon file. Uh, otherwise, you can subscribe to this channel to make sure you stay up to date on all our content. Thanks for joining us.